What's up guys and welcome to the next episode from the Be The Best You podcast. Today me and Sean are going to meet a close friend of ours, Ben, who runs his own sports coaching company working closely with kids and pre-teens and he tells us all about um, what he does and how he helps kids with their fitness and their sports. Cool, so today guys we are with a very good friend of myself. Um, I, I'm lucky enough to meet up with him every Monday night, uh, a group of friends. Uh, we, all, we all catch up and go out and we knew each other through sport, through school and Ben is lucky enough to own his own coaching company now with primary schools and he will dive in and explain to us what, what goes on. Yeah, nice plug for a Monday night club there. <laughs> the, the boys will be loving that. But um, yeah, I'm Ben. I run Signature Sports Coaching. Um, we're a sports coaching company based in Bristol. We work with loads of different primary schools, offering PE, um, after school clubs, holiday fun clubs, um, everything, anything sport related between the ages of 4.11 we're running some sort of provision so decent and you've been doing that for what roughly three three years yeah three years the business has kind of been really busy i started it five years ago alongside my i was a pe coordinator at school um and the business just started alongside initially just running stuff in half terms and holidays and progressed from there but we're working with over 20 schools across bristol now um we've got like 15 brilliant coaches that work represent the business um, and we're working with thousands of kids. So first talking point then, we're going to go with childhood obesity, purely because your Ben is more on the front line of it all. What do you think the main reason for it is? It's a tricky one. There's, there's loads of reasons for, for childhood obesity. Um, poor diet is obviously the, the key one. Lack of exercise. Um, it normally boils down to accessibility and another impact can be poor income families, so not being able to access sport. Um, there's a lot of stats that kind of prove that if you're from a low income background, your, your, your chances of becoming obese are so much higher than if you're from like a wealthier background or you've got more access to sport and activities. But like I said, there's, there's loads of reasons, but it is something that is being talked about a lot more now and a lot more has been done, but on, there's still loads to do. On that point, purely because you know I love a little bit of a debate with you. Yeah, um, obviously you're saying that like the more people from a higher background and yeah. like more of a bigger income, yeah. are more likely to get into sport, which is true, but yeah. it is true, like 100%, because obviously it costs more, but surely the knowledge, in terms of like people's knowledge on what you should be in and the best ways to go about it doesn't always depend on no. income. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, again, it does boil down to many different factors. I mean, schools need to do more with talking about nutrition. Um, but I think the actual exercise part and being part of clubs, because if you join a football club when you're kind of four, five, six years old, you normally carry on for a few years or a netball club, gymnastics club, whatever it is you go into. The younger you get into it, you tend to go once, twice a week for the foreseeable. Yeah. And that just keeps you fit. You, we all know as soon as you stop, stop doing that weekly exercise it just weight piles on and it's no different for children really a lot of the damage is done before their 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 teens like although sometimes it's not always visible like the inside can be ready to develop and grow just yeah. from the damage they've done you don't necessarily have to be part of a sports club no to to not be obese you can still this is my opinion you don't have yeah. to be from a low-income family and not be able to participate in some sort of sport. You can do anything for f well for free 
and nutrition again you can do on a low on a low budget yeah and i think that's the biggest challenge to be honest to try and hit these families that need the support to be able to encourage that that to be fair that like leads on to a nice point then of like the parents influence mm. and like how much of a parent's influence do you feel they have on it because yeah like you could have a parent that's a single mom working yeah. 80 ad- 80 odd hours a week but still say to the kids let's just go out for a walk or something like that yeah it's massive parent, the, the parents lead like they're massive role models for their kids and the kids will just copy their behavior as well so if if they start eating the wrong foods or not doing as much exercise the kids will do the same if the the parents are kind of watching tv on an evening the kids are more likely to turn to tablets or computers rather than going out so it is a massive influence but like i said that i think that's why it's a little bit harder and it's, it's different in different circumstances as well because if you're a single mum you haven't got as much time as say a family of four or five that can support each other on that like on the, like the subject of parents then mm. obviously from like a trainer's point of view we know how to have a the difficult conversation with saying to someone, oh, look, your habits are a bit out of place, like you're overweight and stuff like that. Mm. How would you, say, breach the conversation with, with a parent that their son or daughter needs to do a bit more? It's hard. I mean, from our, from our point of view, we, it's not really our place to say. Um, that's down more to doctors and if, 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 if it's starting to have an impact on their life. Yeah. It, like in school we just try and in our schools that we work in, in our clubs we just try and provide them access to be able to encourage more sport fitness and make that natural fitness progression we wouldn't tend to sit down with parents or obviously tell children that they need to lose weight because it's no good for self-esteem <laughs> yeah, no, 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 agree. But yeah it is a difficult one and sometimes you feel like saying to parents come on you, you need to do something your child's putting on and recently since lockdown <coughs> and now kids are starting to return to school some of them like the weight gain has been massive in just the three month period where you can just tell they haven't been doing been doing as much exercise at home as they would in school so is there anything like any extra measures in place then that you guys are doing as a school as a coaching facility and we, we do the daily mile a lot so we encourage the kids to do a daily mile at a lot of our schools um, we encourage the kids that are not in school. There's loads of good stuff online at the moment. Like I've seen you doing some stuff that for adults, but Joe Wicks for children. Um, he's been brilliant doing stuff every day just to keep kids active for 20, 30 minutes. That's, what, that's all it takes, really. As long as the children can access 30 minutes a day, high-intensity sport, exercise, then should help them with that. But, um, yeah, it's, September's going to be an interesting one when all the children return to school because... It's all going to be non-contact, so it rules out a lot of a lot of games and curriculum-based stuff that we would have done before. Um, but it'd be good to have the kids back, and they'll miss it. They they would have missed sport and PE. Yeah. So, like the the Daily Mile initially, they, they they're not a fan of. They're like, oh, no, I can't do that. Like, however many laps of the field they've got to do. But as you bring it in and do it daily, they just want to try and do more and more, and they enjoy getting fit and active. So it makes them feel better. So the, the, this daily mile concept then that you're talking about, is that literally a kind of guys who've got to move a mile today or is it, do you do it through sport and like playing a game or? No, for, so I can't remember the lady's name but she started it a few years ago. Um, 
and introduced it to schools and it kind of took off. She encouraged um, Daily Mile to take place in every school every day. Some schools do it every day, some do it weekly. So is it like a mile in one go or mile throughout the no, day? No, it's a mile in one go. Okay. The, the best way to do it is a mile in one go. Um, I mean, personally, where we're sat now on the field, we'd, we'd normally encourage about seven or eight laps. But like I said, you don't want, you don't want it to turn into a bit of a base camp where you just say to the kids, like, off you go, run yeah. eight laps, do it as fast as you can, because it's not good for some children. So we try and make it fun, put on some music. I call it move a mile personally, so I don't don't mind if they dance, run, walk, as long as they get the mile done. Um, and the only kind of boundary I have is that I don't want them stopping. So if they set off fast and they run out of path, then <laughs> just walk for a little bit and get your breath back, but just don't stop and collapse on the floor. As <laughs> like but it's it's funny they can, they can within within like a couple of sessions of doing it, they can do it quite easily. Ninety nine percent of the children. Obviously, some, some children need support, which is fine, but um, you can adapt it to what needs you've got of your child, what school. Some schools don't have massive grounds, so they kind of have to do it slightly differently. Um, but it's a good concept, and it's, it's something good for the children to do. Big, big question, and do you do the daily mark with them? No. I do. <laughs> I try to. I, I'll be honest, I don't do it every day. Sometimes I make a bit of an excuse, but as much as possible, I try and do it. And it touches on that point that we spoke about earlier with like parents setting a good example like it's easy for me to stand at the top of the field and bark orders mm. but nothing gets them moving more than if i join in and start having a bit of a laugh with them about it um they try and keep up with you as well so if you set a good pace <laughs> it's, it can be quite good fun your five k is quite quick as well yeah <laughs> poor kids <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no i definitely never did anything like that at school no i think that's a good thing like yeah I didn't do anything like that at school. Yeah, so it's a good concept. There's loads of good things now. There's loads of good things. It's definitely getting better then, isn't it? Mm. Like with time. They introduced the sports premium a few years ago, which I think had a massive impact on, on schools, because time is time is the biggest issue. But at least they get fun, a little bit of funding now to kind of provide access for people like me, my company, yeah. to come in and support schools doing initiatives like that. But there's talk about the sports premium not coming back in September. Is that because of the actual COVID crisis or the funding or like why, why so is that? It was promised up until last year, but the last couple of years they've doubled it. Right. Um, but there's just been no correspondence or like communication about what's going to happen with this year. Um, it keeps getting brought up in the House of Commons, but they've said an announcement is due soon. But the problem is they leave it so late that we can't plan for September. So if... All right, worst case scenario, you don't get that funding. Mm. What what would be the biggest impact it has on your company, and then like as a direct effect on that? Like, what yeah. effect would it have on like the kids, the schools? It it, has, it does have a huge impact. I mean, we we can provide free clubs, after school clubs. So, like we said about earlier, some children can who wouldn't normally be able to attend clubs can stay on for an hour after school and take part in a football club for free because the funding just enables schools to pay people like us to come in and do it. Um, if the funding goes, it falls back to parents being able to pay for it, schools being able to pay for it, and budgets are so tight. Um, and the focus has always been on the key subjects like English, maths, yeah. the, the results you get in SATs, that P can sometimes slip under the carpet a little bit. But hopefully they get something um, and we can kind of... Because been the last few years there's been a massive progression in PE and sport in schools, especially in primary, um, so it'd be good to carry that on and make it more sustainable.
Cool. Moving on then, we are going to move on to mental health. And it's something that, to be honest, when it comes to like the kids and that sort of stuff, I don't know a lot about. So I'm going to hand this one over predominantly more to Shauna. And we'll go from there. So do you think doing... Well, do you see like a difference in, in kids when they're doing sport? Does it, does it affect their mental health, their mood? Yeah, massively. Yeah, it, it, it's like a release from throughout the day, um, especially in school. It can be quite, quite a tough environment for some children. So just having that exercise and sport and some, sometimes the children that can sometimes struggle in a classroom give them access to, to sport to break up their day. It just gives mm. them that confidence boost and gets rid of all their anxiety, stress. And then when they go back into class, they're, they're more able to learn. Would it, say if like you got, say if you had two kids, one of them is doing no sport and the other is like getting regular sport and would you say it increases their like con- concentration levels, like better performance yeah. in the class? Yeah, I think you can get quite, the children that don't access a lot of exercise or don't choose to participate in a lot of exercise can be quite flat. Um, I think just, even if it's 10, 15 minutes of, of activity, can just kind of re-engage them, reactivate them in class, make them more responsive. Um, there's so many, like, there's so much evidence that sport is a huge impact on mental health, that it's no different for children. If anything, it doubles in children. Really? From, from personal, from, from just personal experience, I see a lot that it just helps, helps them no end. In in what way? As in terms of just giving them a lot more energy, or they just feel like they've got a little bit of a release. Yeah, more definitely more energy, more release, and also gives. Not everybody is very good academically, so the children that can excel in class, get their confidence boost from getting good test results or being able to answer worksheets quickly. But some children can feel a bit. Um, like their confidence could be low, self-esteem could be poor, but introduce sport, PE, exercise where they can excel. Confidence, self-esteem just goes up, up through the roof. Um, and then that enables them when they do go back into the classroom to have more confidence there too and teach them skills. So if, if you do get a kid then that's like, I don't know, being a little bit down or a little bit off, off their normal self and that sort of thing how would you dive into okay maybe there's not like another issue for it yeah if there's something underlying again we use sport as a tool to try to access that so a lot of the times they see our sports coaches slightly differently to how they see their teachers it's like a bit of a middle ground so obviously we're professional but at the same time they see us more as a bit of a friendly face rather than their class teacher that tells them what to do um, we can often be seen as like the fun ones too <laughs> so if we we do get a lot of children that want to talk to us about things that they might not always talk to other people about um, and they'll bring stuff up in our sessions we do a lot of mentoring as well which is where this comes up a lot um, so if they have got problems on their mind we, we we try and give them the tools so they can gain confidence first try and find something that if, if they are struggling and they're feeling down, we can give them the tools to, to feel better initially and then yeah. try and talk about what it is that's bothering them and try and find some little tips and advice that we can give them to try and make it a little bit better. Do you feel like enough is being done? Or do you feel like it's something that's... Cause like mental health at the moment, is it? Like it's always been a... Yeah. It's on the rise, isn't it? 
Nothing. Is, is enough being done, do you feel? Or what, what more could be done? No, I don't think enough's being done, especially at younger ages. I mean, like, there's a statistic that says a lot of the mental health issues are, are, are pre-developed before age 14. Um, there's not enough support from, like, for teenagers and for, for primary school children to support their mental health issues. Do they get educated on it? So would they, would you ever sit down and discuss like mental health and sort of, under, so they can understand it a little bit more or is it kind of left until they're older? Yeah, I mean, there's PSHE, which is, which touches on it more, yeah. than, more than a lot of things, but it's not, it's not spoke about enough, especially at primary. I mean, it's a hard subject to talk about, but more more now than ever there's some again there's some good things coming out that supports it in school we're actually writing something as well a scheme of work that encourages discussions on mental health in primary school but yeah more needs to be done um there's not enough out there and there's, there's not enough support for like social care workers outside of school as well but if if you do have concerns sometimes you can be waiting weeks months for that children to go and see someone outside of school which shouldn't be if there's concerns for like a nine or ten year old's mental health then they should be able to access something straight away right teenagers then and the adolescence sort of side of stuff obviously kids teenagers can get a lot more a lot more freedom um do you feel like the education from a young age then has the effect on the teenagers or do you feel like they're now teenagers they're going to go and do what they want yeah a mixture of both we we try and provide like a pathway that they make right decisions both in health exercise and life but we've, we've all experienced teenage years and <laughs> you you want you're in a trying stage so you'll you'll look for different things to try test boundaries um so but i think the stuff that we do in earlier years now hopefully is a, a good stepping stone for that but like i said they have way more access to stuff yeah at that age and especially now more than ever with the internet and technology Mate, I was thinking more like, well, yeah, technology as well. We'll go on to that in a minute. But I was thinking like, I remember when I was a kid, I used to wander in from school and there used to be a chip shop that always used to open like bang yeah. or three. And you just go in and be like, two portions of chips, please. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> sort of thing. We used to, I used to walk to the shop on the way. And I, I, was, I was always fit and healthy and I had a really good upbringing. And I always accessed sports clubs. But I would go into a shop on the way to school and buy kind of three chocolate bars, two packets of polos. Um, <laughs> and by by break time, like you've you've got that down, and you're ready to go into the canteen. You probably have like a hot dog, chip butty, and chip butty. You went to a good school. We're croissants. Yeah, <laughs> well, the, the, uh, that is probably the the key area that's changed a lot in the last few years. I would say is that the the foods on site at schools have got a lot better. But mm. the problem is now easy access to shops. Uh, yeah. Instead of children buying, well, young adults buying buying it at school they're just buying it on their way to school and storing it in a bag and they sell it to each other as well don't they we've all been oh there. My God. there was so. that kid there was always that kid there's, with his backpack always, yeah there's always one that's selling stuff for 50p more than <laughs> he bought it for but it is an area that you're always going to have a problem with which is why there needs to be more done like I said before about nutrition in schools um, the the ID on energy drinks is a big one that's kind of yeah, to be been fair. introduced which I think would be good yeah, definitely. Like you are, yeah, going to a shop, get ID'd for a Red Bull. It's nice mm-hmm. that I still get ID'd for that Red Bull. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, I, think, I think it has to be. I think there was a stage where the, they were looked at as being like the cool drink. Yeah. And 
I think kids were turning up to school and having it for breakfast. And there's, I don't think there's anything worse for them. Absolutely mm. buzzing yeah. throughout the day. And well, I don't think they were. I, th I think they got so used to it. Like they, um, their body relied on it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it really had any impact on, like, good impacts. I think it just had negative impacts on their learning and how they felt throughout the day because they're just on a massive sugar come down <laughs> the majority of the day. So on that tangent then, obviously oh. we're going to live with the fact that a kid's going to be a kid or a teenager's going to be a teenager and yeah. go buy their sweets and whatever they want to do. Another way to counteract that, I suppose it's not a counteraction, but obviously introducing more clubs, sports clubs, that sort of stuff, but there's a bit of a, almost like a bit of a jump in there in terms of like the age ranges. Yeah, and there's a, there's a massive gap as well between my personal opinion from, I feel like primary schools do a lot and there's a lot of um, clubs for, for young children, like preteen to access. Teenagers, I think, is where we can lose a lot of the children in sport. Why? Um, I guess naturally, as you get older, you don't have as much energy as you had before, kind of motivation to do it. Um, and also just, again, it comes down to accessibility and choices. So, I mean, there's loads of stats that support teenagers not being able to take part in clubs or not being able to attend clubs or just choosing not to. Um, so I think up until 11, 12, we keep a lot of children engaged and then there's a gap until I would personally say probably 18, 19 mm. where that needs filling, something needs to be done. Would, would you say then, <coughs> excuse me, um, as kids then, like we were all there, like you do swimming, you do rugby, yeah. football, all this sort of stuff, you'd have something on every night of the week mm. and then you get to a certain age and it's like, right, I just picked one of them yeah. I could potentially be a professional footballer yeah. and all that sort of stuff and then you just think oh this is getting a bit too serious now Yeah. and then people drop off I a little it's, bit it's like social as well like I know that well I did like loads of clubs up until I was about 15 and then I quit everything because well, I would rather spend time with my friends or I'd rather yeah, I think that's go out go out and do something else I didn't, I didn't want to spend all my weekends competing or playing sports so I just quit everything and I know from when I was about 16 to probably 18, 19 I put on quite a bit of weight and I stopped doing any sport and I stopped I wasn't eating because I, like, I wasn't eating correctly because I wasn't doing the sports so I didn't have to like watch what I was eating so I think that's quite common I think it's social yeah, I don't know I thought, for me personally I, always, I stopped a lot as well because I thought well, I wasn't cool because no one else did it yeah. like, I did like swimming and karate and I was like oh none of the other girls are doing swimming and karate <laughs> so I'm going to quit <laughs> yeah there's loads yeah that, that is a common trend and it, you hear stories like that mm. so often and I don't know what can be done because a lot of it does come down to choices like you say and there's I think as you get older there's way more things you can do with your time um so and uh, and again, sport can be easily dropped off because it does take up a lot of time and it is a big commitment. So I think it is that as you get older, you kind of decide where you're going with it, and you can fall out of love with something. Like if you play f rugby or football since the age of four, you might get to fourteen and think I've been doing this for ten years now. Like it's time for a change. Um, or you might you might just go naturally into something else. But I think that that is the key area that needs addressing is kind of teens. Um, and I think that's where a lot of damage is done. Question to both you guys then, from a different point of view. Obviously, you did the more 
unless you're Sean, that did the more unsociable, uncool sports. <laughs> One, how do you feel like it could be portrayed to be more cool? And then obviously, then you did the more football sort of side of it, which everyone loves to do. Yeah. And people teeter off. Sean first. Hmm. How did you feel like we could get rid of that stereotype to, oh yeah, it is cool, this is something we want to do with kids? <clears throat> that sort of thing. Well, I suppose, especially things like, I, I t- I t- t- like typically the sports I did as a kid were boy sports. Like, I used to go to karate and I was the only, I was the only girl there. Yeah. So I'd, I would get to like, when I was like seven, eight, nine, ten, I didn't care. I, I used to love it. But when I got to about 14, 15, I'd go into school and everyone would be like, oh, what are you doing tonight? I'm, I'm having friends around. I'm like, oh, no, I can't. I've, I've, got, I've, got, I've got training. And everyone would be like, why are you doing that? What's, what are you doing? Yeah. So I think if more, if more people did it from a young age and it was more acceptable and people understood it and you didn't have that sort of stereotypical, like, it's a boy sport, girl sport. Like, a lot more girls are doing football and rugby now, aren't they? It's a lot more, yeah. like, it's just more common now. So if you're getting, like, especially girls into what stereotypical boy sports at a young age, it's yeah. more normal when you're older. So people don't sort of question and look down on you for doing something that's, just different so that's then more like say looking at the, your parents and that sort of stuff so if you're <coughs> not your your parents are obviously good at it but say i'm going to drop my sister uh, in fact no i'm going to drop my brother-in-law in a bit he's, <laughs> he's always quite stereotypical of my nephew his son like you can't play with the pram or you can't do this and then my sister will be like no he's right playing with the pram and stuff it's definitely getting better now isn't yeah. it like yeah um with time but like back in the day like if if you if like I was always the, especially when I was younger, I was always the girl that would be playing like, like sport in my lunchtime, and like I'd be on the football field, and everyone would be like, "What is she doing?" Like, <laughs> but now it's so much more common. Yeah. So it's it's not as it's not as a bigger issue. Yeah. The the, the stereotypes are are loosening, which is a positive for everyone, really. Um, we we encourage it in primary school level as much as possibly can that whatever sport you want to access, you can yeah. access it whether you're male, female. Um, if you've got a disability, we, we will adapt it to, to make it inclusive. So, But, yeah, I think a lot's been done on that. There's some good things, like This Girl Can is a good charity mm. that kind of yeah. push loads of girls into sport. Um, and it's just dropping those stereotypes because there can be... It doesn't matter if you're male or female, it's sport. Mm. You can be yeah. You can be just as good as the next person. Yeah. I, I think as well, like big companies like your Sky Sports now, they've started getting yeah. like female commentators on yeah. there. There's more female officials. Yeah. Um, even stuff like the Women's World Cup. What was it like two, three years ago? They were having the biggest viewings ever. Biggest viewers, and it's on TV more now. Like mm. years ago, you you could never access like female football on TV, yeah. and. Like now, now it seems to be on quite a lot. Not as m- not as much as male football, and more needs to be be done so it's accessible. But the introdu- there's that introduction of netball super league as well. Mm. So like Sky Sports has been brilliant. I show yeah. that to our kids in school. Um, but it's trying to get it on those mainstream channels because again, if you haven't got the access at home to Sky Sports or yeah, BT true. Sport, you, you're yeah. never going to see it. Um, I try and show. Like if we have wet lessons and the ball's out of use, I just try and show sports that they might have never seen before. Um, Get a bit of the old humble on Sky Sports. Oh, <laughs> like the, when the Olympics are on, it's brilliant. The kids come in, they're like, oh, I was curling last night. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, like, did you enjoy it? And like the sports that you wouldn't think they would enjoy, like curling, put it on BBC One and the, 
their parents are getting involved and they're cheering it on. Yeah, definitely. I remember years ago, like the Winter Olympics, when I think Great Britain won the gold medal. Like this was when I was back at school. Oh, uh, what was what's her name? That um, yeah, not Sam. The bobsled was it Amy something? No, Amy Williams is the um, the skeleton. Yeah, but that's another example, um, where a sport that you just wouldn't ever. Re- the, if you ask children about the skeleton bob, they they would think you're talking about like yeah. a character in a book. <laughs> but if you get them to watch it, they'll they'll love it. We did we had an assembly. We had a special guest once where. Um, a GB member came in and started showing the videos of training and him at the Olympics and the kids were loving it and we adapted like a PE lesson using benches pretending they were going down slopes practicing the run down there like the start and they, they enjoyed it kids kids will love any any new sports and, and new and opportunities different. and take it on we um we did a school trip to a bowls indoor bowls arena once as like in a year three class oh no as in not yeah, I'm going to be completely stereotypical well, here with the older older generation <laughs> in the bowl screen. generation sport. Yeah. And it was all ran by like older people. Yeah. Um, and it is predominantly like a an elderly sport. But then saying that, if you watch it on, when it is on TV every now and again, they put it on like BBC Two with the World Championships. A lot of the people playing in that are kind of 30, 40 years old. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the recre- recreational grounds are kind of elderly. In the bowl screen. Pensioners. But we took our kids to it and they were like seven eight years old and they absolutely loved it they couldn't get enough of it oh, that's um, decent like even stuff like that like i would have never even thought about doing something like that so yeah that's yeah. going to help help it's with all sorts yeah it's breaking those stereotypes like shauna said being like f- back in the day if, if a girl was was playing football at school like they'd get called a tomboy or yeah but it, it just it doesn't it doesn't happen as much now it still happens when it shouldn't but um we encourage we get it out of all of our kind of sessions and yeah. peer <coughs> lessons. We don't want anything to do with that. We encourage everyone to, to access it and kids take to it. it. They only learn from stereotypes if we feed them it. So. Nice. Um, so moving on a little bit then, something that I did want to touch on yourself with, because yeah. you do play quite a high standard of football. Do <laughs> don't laugh, you know you do. <laughs> um, I was going to introduce you as a semi-professional footballer, but I thought, no, I don't want to blow your trumpet that much. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> um, so from, this is more going more like mainstream now in terms of like your football and stuff. Do you think the jump from age 16 or under 18 to senior level is either too big or there's something about it that's a bit intimidating? And like you find that like that's when it drops off a little bit and then people get into their 20s and then they're like, oh, sugar, now I need to go see personal trainer or I now need to join a gym yeah it can be sport can be an intimidating place as you get as you get to like 16 18 and you start playing like for me personally it's football and you go into a men's dressing room and it's an interesting place exactly yeah. <laughs> you, you see things that you don't really want to see the banter's like so-called banter but sometimes it can verge on like bullying oh, mate, really. yeah you've got to be thick-skinned you have got to be thick-skinned and you if you if you're not ready for it mentally, then straight away you can your enjoyment goes. Like when and especially as as you play up through your teams, you're playing with people your age, so like under 13s, under 14s, under 15s. Everyone's kind of in the same boat. You're all kind of living different lives, but you're at the same point in your life. Yeah. Whereas when you when you start playing men's football or adult sport and you're one of the younger ones, you, you don't get picked on as such, but it's kind of like that apprentice mentality where it's, it's, it's fun to play the jokes on you. <laughs> and yeah. 
I laugh, I shouldn't laugh, but yeah, I know what you mean. No, and, and it happens, and I think it'll always happen, but I think a lot's been talked about that sometimes banter is not banter, and mm. some people can take it a bit more personally than others. So it's, it's trying to raise that awareness in the game. And I think, again, like there is movement towards better mental health. And it's like Shauna said, that as soon as you know, friends at school started saying, why are you doing karate on the evening and not kind of chilling with us? It gets in your head straight away. Mm. You start you start thinking about it. Um, and unless you really love it, you're probably going to give it up. It yeah. only takes one person to say one yeah. sentence to completely rejig your thinking. Um, so I think more needs to be done. But it is such a difficult subject because I think it's always going to be there. Yeah. Um, and it's about preparing. Not preparing for bullying because bullying is not acceptable anywhere, but preparing mm. your band, the, the yeah. band, what you're walking into. Like when I went from, I, I want to say I play a, a re, like I play a reasonable standard of cricket, but like going from, like the youth finished at like under 17s, yeah. and then we had like a third team, second team, first yeah, exactly. team, and like you'd get introduced into like the third team, and like you'd get more responsibility, and it'd be alright. But the third team were obviously, the standard was a lot lower, yeah. and the blokes who were doing it were a lot older. They understood a little bit yeah. more. And then I remember one week it was like someone pulled out. I was in the second team. I got pulled into the second team, and I was like. Cool, this is it's a bit different, like a bit of pressure or whatever. Yeah. And then someone dropped out of the first team and they're like, oh, you just need someone to go and field. And I was like, all right, well, I'm the youngest. I'll go and just run around yeah. the field. For and then the, the difference and like going in the change room, it's like, okay, this is like not scary as such, but you're just like, it's just a massive shock. Yeah, it's, ma it's completely different. I mean, if you're playing like under 16s football, the, the manager can tend to be more encouraging or there's there's less pressure but like I said as soon as you hit kind of adult yeah adult sport sometimes it can be a bit more pressurized intimidating you can you can have things thrown thrown across the change room and you're a bit your eyes open up <laughs> well I'm not used to this <laughs> yeah um, and it can be a bit scary and you could come away from that one game thinking I am not doing that again yeah um, but as you go up higher through the levels I think I think there's a bit in the middle where it kind of changes I think lower level sport at adult level is it can be quite relaxed and it's more fun based and then I think there's a bit in the middle which is a, is a bit of a grey area where people s take it a lot more seriously but um, you get an absolute rollicking if you let one through your legs exactly <laughs> yeah but I, as you get higher again I think there's more support I think there's like more coaches yeah. there's more um, there's more people people understand it a little bit more I think it's the it's the ability in the middle, like the intermediate level, that can be the difficult, difficult subject. Excuse table, the table. Table there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, finally then, moving on. Um, ben, I keep wanting to call you Bar, but you're Ben today. Yeah. Do you have any questions for us? Yeah. Go for it, <laughs> far away. <laughs> what, um, what do you think we should do from like a teenage point of view? Is it something with your business that you're going to focus on or if you were honest would you say that you you tend to take more people on from from like the mid-20s higher i think for me personally i've i've personally had clients before that have been parents and because they've changed their life drastically their yeah. kids have got involved so for one example i have had a client who came in and she was what mid 50s or whatever and she had a teenage um, well she's actually at college um, she had a daughter and she used to bring her daughter along to our sessions so I think if, if you can I know for us generally I tend to train sort of 
tend to be older people, but if, I, if you can get the parents to change their lifestyle a little bit, the kids tend to get involved. It's like you said, if you, um, especially from a young age, if you can sort of encourage, encourage, people, yeah. encourage your kids to, to eat well and to, and to be active, then generally they will carry it on. Yeah. Um, so it is, yeah, we, again, you can kind of target the parents to an extent. Um, I've never trained a teenager, but it's not something that I would turn away. If, if, a, if, a, if someone that was, say, 15, 16 did come up to me and approach me, I, I would 100% take them on if they could. For, m for me personally, asking that question, and I spoke briefly about it with you the other day, is I would like to get into... Well, one of my friends, he's a, a college tutor over at Filton, and he asked if um, when everything does settle down I could go in and or we could go in and start chatting to kids like doing like lectures and stuff and like 100% I'd love to do that because I don't think kids at the moment at that age are being talked to honestly no. they're more being like spoon fed bits and bobs or then they're, they're too like people are too afraid to offend some people and I'd just be like quite transparent and talk to them about it in terms of like a training sort of side of you I would 100% would come to, like train the person if they came to me with the right intentions if they came to me and said like if they were like felt quite mentally insecure i'd ask them like why they're feeling like that and help them like but i'd try and make it more performance based rather than just weight based because otherwise then that could lead to mm. almost like an obsessive yeah. i'm worried yeah, about my waist careful, uh, yeah. i'm worried about my waist i'm worried about my weight so i'd try and make it more performance based rather than yeah. aesthetics yeah Sort of thing. Also, the other like barrier for a lot of teenagers is it's financially as well. Yeah. So personal training is it's it's, it's a big commitment. It, it is quite it can be quite pricey, and I didn't have money at sixteen. Like I didn't no. have I didn't have money as a teenager. So again, it is it can be a little bit of a financial barrier if if that is the route you want to go down. If sport mm. wasn't an option and you didn't really have anything else you wanted to do and you wanted to go, you know, even joining a gym, I know you can go to cheap ones, but yeah. if you've generally got no idea and you do need that extra guidance, yeah, it can be a little bit pricey. Yeah, I think what you said before, it is a sensitive area that people don't like talking to, to teenagers because they're afraid of reaction and the yeah. impact it can have on them. Because like we said earlier, one, one wrong sentence can yeah. play on their mind and completely affect them. So. It is such a sensitive area, but I think it's definitely something that there needs to be something filled. This might be a bit controversial, but I, I feel like at the moment there's a lot going around that it's only sensitive because people feel it's sensitive. Yeah. Like, if someone came up to me and like was they, like... They don't actually get offended. We, we just feel like... Yeah. Like, if someone came up to me and was like, oh, can you help me out with this? I could, like, you could bluntly be like, well, yeah, you're overweight. I can help you with this. Why are you overweight? Well, because you eat yeah. this, that, and whatever. I agree. I think that's, I think that's right up and down the system, though. Yeah, 100%. Think, like, with all sorts going on. People are, are scared to hear the truth. But then I also think a lot of people are classed as overweight or obese when, when they're not. Mm. Um, like, you can... Like, you, for example, rip to shreds and... <laughs> Not quite. Got muscles all yeah. over you, but if you actually went to the to the doctors and got weighed and did your yeah. BMI, oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. you was overweight yeah. or obese. Yeah. When all you got to do is like look at you to yeah. know that you're you're fit, healthy, you do a load of exercise. Mm. Um, so I think it, it swings both ways with that yeah. aspect. I think a lot of people get labelled wrongly, and I think yeah. a lot of people are not labelled when they when they should be. On that subject, that's a good point. To be fair, I feel like. The, the health service, the NHS, the government guidelines are all wrong in terms of 
they're not that it's all old-fashioned like you say your bmi is, yeah no BMI. we don't use bmi now do yeah. we we don't oh, it's, it's just not a thing mm. like, there's nothing there's nothing good about it like the things that we focus on is well your body fat yeah your, your body mass, fat your muscle mass sometimes weight but it's not yeah. essential to focus on weight but yeah when you like like you said you could go into a doctor and they could be like well you're severely overweight you're obese i'm like yeah. well yeah the guidelines are I, I don't agree with them. It, it, it just up. affects people's confidence yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. If, like, I, I, I personally haven't done mine for a while. And, mm. like, but I know that last time I went, I, was, I wasn't far off kind of touching into overweight. And I, I still get told I'm too skinny by a lot of people. Yeah. Um, not so much by you. <laughs> but some, like my parents and stuff would always kind of say, oh, you're a bit skinny, you've got on a bit of weight. And I was going, having, like joined up to the gym and they did like your assessment at the start yeah they, they'd give you your chart back and it would say like you're closer to overweight than underweight mm. and you'd be like oh okay like and it, it does affect your confidence like i know personally i got areas that i need to improve on but yeah. i think if you don't have that and just look at stats and figures it can have a damaging yeah. impact 100 percent. Like, it's funny you should say that actually about your family and stuff so a couple of years ago i was <coughs> prepping or whatever to do like a bodybuilding competition competition didn't end up doing it in the end but i lost so much like i lost quite like got cut right down and people were saying to me oh oh, you look you look ill like what's going on you need to lose weight and all this sort of stuff and in my head i was like hold on i'm looking the best i've ever looked and then there's people commenting saying you look ill but then it goes to the other spectrum and people like well you need to lose weight there's not there's not an in-between or there's a I think it. I think it comes back to what we talked about earlier in regards to mental health and being resilient and, yeah. and knowing what you personally want to achieve. There's a lot of stuff that we teach now that is to do with your personal best, because mm. everybody's different. And even that daily mile, some some kids set themselves a target to do it in the time limit. Some, if they're doing laps, some children try and set themselves to do more laps. And then for some children, the actual mile is like a big challenge yeah. in itself. So it's trying to it's trying to set different challenges depending on what you are but I think you just need personal resilience and a personal journey that you're trying to set out but for kids that can be so blurred I think if I don't know about you but me personally it wasn't until I was about 25 that I kind of knew what I wanted to do and how I felt about myself and what areas that I was confident in not confident in yeah so before that I was very concerned about what people thought about me um, oh 100% like if someone said that this was cool and that wasn't cool or you should do this and you should do and I would follow yeah like you, you just would naturally follow so e- even to a point now touching on that subject like it's gonna sound really bad because I love playing cricket and I enjoy it but if I meet someone new or and I'm like oh yeah, yeah I, I play cricket sort of thing and they're like what why do you do that and I'm a bit nervous about Straight away, yeah. saying it um but the end, the reason why I've stuck playing cricket for so long is because I literally started at the age of 10 and all of my social group we just went up through yeah. the ages together yeah. and now we all play in like the first team and like whatever and like it's it's a good social thing oh you make friends for life instead. yeah 100 percent. there's people now that i haven't spoke to for years but i know i could pick the phone up and i might have only played football with them for three years but if i picked the phone up and said i'm doing this or i'm doing that and they would be there and it would be like we've never been away really because you mm. i think you f- find people's true character in sport yeah 100 percent. i think that's a good a good note to finish on yeah um so thank you thank you for that ben quickly plug away old signature and where <laughs> we can where we can find you yeah thanks for having me but um yeah have a look at our website it's signature sports coaching.co.uk um follow our facebook 
we put lots of stuff on there about events we're doing across Bristol, including our fun days for children and what schools we're working in. So any questions, just fire them in. Nice. And we'll try and send you an answer. Beautiful. Thank you for your time. Right then, guys. So wrapping that up then, that is the end of another episode of the Be The Best You podcast. And it's actually the end of this series. Um, we're having a little break, but we will be back soon and we will keep you all posted when we're back. So if you want to follow us on social media, it is Be The Best You Fit. Um, and of course, our email is be the best you fitness at outlook.com. Don't hesitate to reach out. Yes. And as always, guys, have a banging week. <laughs> <laughs>